The story of Christmas is one of mystery and intrigue. Although a deliverer was first promised in the early chapters of Genesis, the theme of a savior and a redeemer continued to unfold throughout the Old Testament before it reached fruition with the birth of Christ. Characters such as Isaiah, Gabriel, Elizabeth, Mary, and Joseph, the innkeeper, the shepherds, the magi, and others will bring reality to the Christmas story. Today, we would like to portray 10 of those characters with the hope that the old, old story of Jesus and his love will come alive for you in a new and a different way than ever before in any of your celebrations. May your Christmas be a memorable one because of what you see and hear today. I am Isaiah. At the front door of the Bible in the book of Genesis, as strange though it may seem, this key was given by God to that old serpent, the devil. Yes, Satan was the first to learn of a deliverer who would come to destroy his devilish works. To Satan was given the initial promise and prophecy of redemption from the sin he had brought unto God's fair universe. We read in Genesis 3.15 that the Lord God said unto the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between the seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Yes, it was the woman and her seed. Although there were well over 100 references to the seed and the seeds, this phrase, her seed, is not found elsewhere in the Bible. The seed of a woman is a unique concept and can be interpreted only as a foreshadowing of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy God of Israel came upon me and caused me to speak the glorious words recorded in Isaiah 7.14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. A virgin, I thought to myself, a young unmarried woman who has preserved the purity of her body. How can such a thing be? But it was not mine to question or reason, only believe. Again, did the power of the Most Holy One overshadow me and speak. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them have, hath that light shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Prince of Peace, the Mighty God and Everlasting Father. And of the increase of his government and the peace and peace there shall be no end. It took some 700 years for the world to see the fulfillment of these prophecies. But in the fullness of time, they came to pass, just as predicted. Amen. 
Yes, Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. Praise Him, Lord above all lords, King above all kings, God's only Son. the angel Gabriel, special messenger of God. Three times I have delivered messages of momentous import to people on earth. I appeared first in a, in, to the prophet Daniel to explain the meaning of a vision he had which troubled him greatly. The second time I appeared on earth was to Zechariah the priest. All the messages that I have been privileged to bring to earth have been connected with promises of the coming Messiah. Even then, no news could compare with the wonderful tidings I was entrusted to bring to the Virgin Mary. It happened six months after I had been sent to Zechariah. This time, God sent me to the town in Galilee called Nazareth to a young woman pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. I entered her room and spoke, Congratulations, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was deeply disturbed at these words and wondered what they could mean. But I put her at ease, saying, Don't be frightened, Mary, for God has decided to bless you wonderfully. Very soon now you will become pregnant and have a baby boy, and you will name him Jesus. He shall be very great and shall be called the Son of God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Astonished at this news, Mary asked, but how can I have a baby since I am a virgin? Mary, I replied gently, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of God will overshadow you so the child to be born to you will be completely holy, the Son of God. Furthermore, I encouraged, six months ago, your aunt Elizabeth, the one who they called barren, became pregnant in her old age. For every promise from God 
will come true. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said, and I am willing to do whatever He wills. May everything you say come true. Never have I witnessed more beautiful submission among mortals than this, I thought, as I withdrew my presence and winged my flight back to the eternal heavens, there to await my next assignment. The angel Gabriel from heaven came With wings as drifted snow, with eyes as flame All hail to thee, O lowly maiden Mary Most highly favored lady, Jewish priest. Although both Zechariah and I tried to obey all of God's laws and commandments, the Lord had never seen fit to bless us with a child. Behind my back, my neighbors spoke of me as she who is called barren. But in our old age, a miracle occurred that changed our lives forever. It happened during Zechariah's turn for a two-week period 
of temple duty. While he was in the inner sanctuary, burning incense before the Lord, an angel suddenly appeared on the right side of the altar. Zechariah was startled and terrified. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for I've come to tell you that God has heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. You will both have great joy and gladness at his birth, and many will rejoice with you, for he will be one of the Lord's great men. He must never touch wine or hard liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from before his birth. And he will persuade many a Jew to turn to the Lord his God. He will be a man of rugged spirit and power like Elijah, the prophet of old. And he will precede the coming of the Messiah, preparing the people for his arrival. He will soften adult hearts to become like little children's and will change disobedient minds to the wisdom of faith. Zechariah said to the angel, but this is impossible. I am an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the, in the with this good news, and now, because you haven't believed me, you are to be stricken silent, unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly come true at the proper time. Sure enough, soon after I became pregnant, how kind the Lord is, I exclaimed, take away my disgrace of having no children. I thought much in those days about Gabriel's statement that my child would precede the coming of the Messiah, that he would prepare the people for his arrival. Who was this Messiah? Who would, be his, who would his mother be? It was a little over six months later when my niece from Nazareth, Mary, came to visit me unexpectedly. Again, the strangest thing happened. At the sound of Mary's greeting, my unborn child leaped within me and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Suddenly I knew, although I couldn't explain how, that Mary was to be the mother of the Messiah. With a glad cry, I exclaimed to her, You are favored by God above all other women, and your child is destined for God's mightiest praise. What an honor this is that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When you came in and greeted me, the instant I heard your voice, my baby moved in me for joy. You believed that God would do what he said, this is why he has given you this wonderful blessing. Mary stayed with me for three months before she returned to her home. By now, my waiting was over, for the time had come for the baby to be born, and it was a boy. In accordance with the angel's instructions, we named him John. Yes, my husband regained his power of speech at his son's circumcision, gave a marvelous prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has come to visit his people and has redeemed them. He is sending us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. How honored and blessed I have been to be the mother of a most special child, a child who became the forerunner of the Messiah. Mary, I'll never forget that night as I knelt for my evening prayer when an angel appeared to me and told me I was the, to be the mother of the Messiah. My heart was in tumult. I trembled as I voiced my first astonished thought to the bright heavenly being. But I'm a virgin, still living in my father's house, I pleaded. It cannot be. There is no cannot be with God, the angel replied. As I, 
as he quietly vanished, leaving me alone. As I mused upon the words of my heavenly visitor, my heart burned within me. Suddenly, my soul was filled with joy. Can it be true? I wondered. Surely it must be a dream. Such honor could not come to one in my humble station. Why, to be the mother of the Messiah was an honor for only the rich and the great. Then I remembered my pledge to Gabriel. I am the Lord's servant, I had boldly declared, and I am willing to do whatever he wants. The hope and desire, the dream of all Jewish maidens was a reality to be fulfilled through me. What should I do? This marvelous knowledge was, a, was yet a secret between no one else but God and me. Should I go up to Jerusalem to the high priest? Never. I would be laughed to scorn. Joseph, my betrothed, would he understand? So presumptuous, so unbelievable. Yes, so impossible did it all seem that I could not even bring myself to tell my mother, although I yearned to do so. Then it was the, then it was then that I recalled what Gabriel had said about my Aunt Elizabeth also being pregnant, and in my spirit I knew she was the one whom I should go with my astounding news. Imagine my surprise when Elizabeth met me at the door and without giving me an opportunity to say a word, called me the mother of the Messiah and pronounced blessings upon me. What confirmation! It was to know that my precious secret had been divinely revealed to her. My soul responded with happiness such as I had never before experienced. From the depths of my innermost being burst forth the song of praise from heart filled with gratitude. Oh, how I praise the Lord, I sang. How I rejoice in God my Savior, for he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And now, generation after generation, forever shall call me blessed of God. For he, the mighty Holy One, has done great things to me. His mercy goes on from generation to generation to all who reverence him. How powerful is his mighty arm. How he scatters the proud and the haughty ones. He has torn princes from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry hearts and sent the rich away with empty hands. And how he has helped his servant Israel. He has not forgotten his promise to be merciful. For he promised our fathers, Abraham and his children, to be merciful to them forever. Right. 
become my wife. Betrothal, of course, was, a binding, was as binding upon us as marriage. Not but death or divorce, which was most distasteful to me, could separate us. If only I could block from my memory that fateful night my beloved returned from a three-month visit to her Aunt Elizabeth. I never fully understood why Mary suddenly insisted upon making the visit in the first place. The first night upon her return, she fled to her room and wept tears of anguish and even refused to see me. I was more puzzled than ever. Her mother tried to explain that Mary was carrying a baby, a baby conceived by the Holy Spirit. I was devastated by the news and bitterly disappointed that my beautiful sweetheart had betrayed me. Being a man of stern principle, at first I decided to break the engagement, but to do it quietly, as I didn't want to publicly disgrace Mary. But after prayer that night, as I lay awake considering this, I fell into a dream and saw an angel standing beside me. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't hesitate to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This will fulfill God's message through his prophets. Suddenly, where suspicion regarding Mary's purity had lurked, a strong faith now reigned to think my beloved would mother the Messiah, whom I, as a devout Jew, had eagerly anticipated filled being with ecstasy. Mary's submission was a lovely thing to behold. She never wavered from her commitment of whatever God says, I accept. For Mary had gone beyond the world's most common prayer, thy will be changed, to pray the greatest prayer of all, thy will be done. Mary insisted upon accompanying me in the 90-mile trip to Bethlehem for census. Even though the time of her delivery was near, I'll never forget that five-day that five journey and the intimacy of our fellowship as we discussed the Masonic scriptures once again. Then calamity struck. Mary went into labor. Just as we approached a small village at my dismay, I was unable to find a room at the inn. It was already full to overflowing. A helpful villager suggested I might find shelter in a cave behind the inn. Another accommodating peasant gave me a bundle of straw for bedding and even lighted a clay lamp filled with olive oil. From the straw I made as comfortable a bed as I could for Mary and I knew and I knew how and gave her woolen cloak for a blanket. Near the back of the cave was a feeding trough, which had been hollowed out from a wall. I filled that with clean straw so we could have a cradle for the baby, and then went out to find a midwife. As soon as the wailing infant was born, the midwife gently bathed him and rubbed salt over his body to guard against infection. Mary lovingly wrapped him in swaddling cloths binding the long strips of linen so, so tightly that he could not move his arms or legs. 
Our people had done this for many years. For we believed that a child's limbs would not grow straight and strong unless they were bound so they could not move freely for at least six months. I watched Mary as she tenderly nursed her firstborn child and laid him gently in the manger. I had prepared the midwife in the manger I had prepared. The midwife had left. We were just settling down for the night when our greatest astonishment we had visitors, shepherds, who said an angel had appeared in the heavens and announced the birth of our son. Now, I am the innkeeper of Bethlehem. Now, although I am famous throughout the world, or at least where this Christmas story is told, I am anything but proud of the incident that made me famous. But then, how was I to know? My inn was overcrowded that night for families of the lineage of David that had been coming for days. You see, the Roman Empire Augustus had ordered a general census of the empire. Enrollment, they called it. In a Roman census, women were not obliged to come in person even when they had to pay the poll tax. Why that woman ever came with her husband on a journey like that when she was nine months pregnant, I'll never know. Mary, I believe her name was. Her husband Joseph was a carpenter, he told me, from the obscure, despised village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, I asked myself, could anything good come out of a man from Nazareth? But his, him and his wife were descendants of King David. They had traveled five days, at least so they said, to reach Bethlehem where they would register. Their provisions were loaded on the back of a bed-ragged-looking donkey that also carried Mary. Although she didn't complain by the time of her delivery had come, I could see that she was, for the most part, uncomfortable. Which of the the distinguished guests in my inn, priests, rabbi, wealthy traders, could I displace to make room for such a shabby couple? Mere peasants, of course. I had known the royalty of one to be born, I most certainly would have made room for him, even though it would have meant surrendering my own plush quarters. But no one told me the one who would be born that night would change the history of the world. All I could do was offer them shelter in the cave nearby. At least I assured myself that would be better than resting under the open sky. The cattle and beasts of burden there would offer some warmth, and besides there was some barley straw they could rest on. And the cave did offer some shelter from the wind. As I said, How could I have known that I was turning away the Savior of the world?
How could we ever forget that night? Of all nights, we were the first human mortals to learn about the birth of our king. As it was custom in Palestine back in the day, summer months, we would go up to the mountains with the great... Um, go up to the mountains. But as the winter rains came through, we had to move back down to the lower pastures, the warmer pastures, where the green grass grew faster and quickly. But then, on the way down, we were stopped in a small town that was called Bethlehem. And it was a cool night that night. We had to get underneath our cloaks, our heavy cloaks, stay by the fire, keep watch of our flocks, and to make sure those sheep didn't wander away. But during the night, as we looked in the stars and the black heavens and sky and saw the stars were like jewels and stuff, our conversations drifted off one by one as it fell in deep sleep. But then, we were welcomed in the most unusual way, an angel. The glory of the bright light and the landscape is God's glory and Lord. And then, the angel reassured us, don't be afraid. Yes, don't be afraid, he said. I, be, I bring you the most joyful news ever announced, and it is for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. How will you recognize him? You will find a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, Praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang, and peace on earth for all those pleasing Him, praising Him. When the great army of angels had returned again to heaven, we said to each other, Come on, let us go to Bethlehem. Let's see the wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. We ran to the village and found our way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. We told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to us about this child. Then we went back to our fields and flocks, praising God for the visit of the angels and because we had seen the child just as the angel had told us. Yes, we returned to our daily duty as shepherds. But now, with new life and blessing in all our daily work, feeding sheep could never again be commonplace toil to us after what we witnessed on the most glorious night the world has ever known.
Woohoo! This is so exciting! Yeah! <laughs> Underway we are the Magi, a class of priests among the Persians and Medes, men of learning and great wealth. Our beliefs are similar to those of the Jews. We too believe in one supreme God, right, Greg? Or yes. Magi? <laughs> Many years ago, some of those Jews had been carried off into our region. Uh, as they established their synagogues, as they established their synagogues, we gained great knowledge of Hebrew scripture and knew about their expected Messiah. We knew that when he came, he would be no ordinary king. He'd be something really special, right? As we searched the scriptures diligently, we learned from the Torah that a star out of David would arise. There it is! The star! There it is. The star. Wow. It's happening, brother. This is this, yes, yes, woo! <laughs> the star would arise. So we carefully read Daniel's prophecies and studied his calculations, which would pinpoint that the star would be there now! Yes! Yes! The time has come. The king would be born. And then, the star, it's here, it's now, this is the time. The star that increased with brightness 10,000-fold. So bright, we can't, you, you can't miss it, it's so bright. Carefully, our hearts vibrated with new hope. New hope, excitement. We knew the time had begun for our quest. The great quest to go and greet the newborn king so that we too could worship this Messiah the Messiah. Our faith never wavered, did it? Nope, definitely not. Our faith never wavered, for we, in our very heart of hearts, had no doubt about the fulfillment of prophecy. Consequently, we traveled untold weary miles of the very, very hot desert sands. Can't tell you how many miles. It was long and it was hard. But we never halted because we knew this was the King of Kings. This was very special and worthwhile of the arduous journey to the great destination, Jerusalem. We assumed that once we, had once we had reached Jerusalem, or Jerusalem is the way they would pronounce it, that, uh, you know, the capital of the Jewish nation, we would have no trouble finding him who we saw. So it's like, hey, hey, where, where, where's the child, the, the newborn king? Where's it? And they're like, they have no idea what you're talking about. They weren't even looking for mm -hmm. him. This makes no sense, right? So eagerly, we went through the streets asking, where, where, where? For we have seen the star from way off in the eastern lands. We've seen the star and come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed by our question. And all of Jerusalem was filled with rumors. He called a meeting of the Jewish religious leaders. Did the prophets tell us where the Messiah would be born? He asked. Yes, in Bethlehem, he said, or they said. You, for this, sorry, the eyes have gone as an old age here. For, yeah, for this is what the prophet Micah wrote. O little town of Bethlehem, you are not just an unimportant Judean village, for a governor shall rise, rise from your 
to rule all of the people of Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to us, making us to come to see him at the meeting. He found out from us the exact time when we first saw the star. Then he told us, go to Bethlehem and search for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell him, tell me what you see. And I will go worship him too. After this interview, we started out again and looked. The star appeared to us again, standing over Bethlehem. Our joy knew no bounds. Yeah. <laughs> the time has come. Entering the house where the baby and Mary, his mother, were, we throw, throw ourselves down before him, worshiping. Then we opened our presents and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when we returned to our own land, he didn't go, we didn't go through Jerusalem to report to Herod, for God had warned us in a dream to go home another way. It was many months later when we learned that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Although at the end of our very long journey, we saw a young child in, on Mary's knees. We believed in him and worshiped him as king. Truly, this was what crowning point of our faith.
I am Simeon, a Jew and a spectator of the most spectacular birth of all history. We Jews were proud to be the God's chosen people and felt that someday we would become masters of the world and Lord of all nations, although we had, all had our own ideas of how this would be accomplished. Many of our learned scholars believe that some great celestial champion would descend upon the earth. Some felt another king of David's line would arise and all the old glories would be revived. Still others believe that God himself would break directly into history by supernatural means. However, I could not bring myself to follow these philosophies. Like Anna the prophetess, I was among the few people known as the quiet in the land. Our dreams were not of violence and power or of armies with banners proudly proclaiming our allegiance. We refused all violence and waited patiently for God's deliverance from the oppression of the Roman yoke and the clique of the high priestesses and aristocrats. My name, Simeon, means one who hears and obeys. The day I heard God's voice whispering that the time had come was the accumulation of all I'd ever lived for. I was coming down from the steps of the inner court when I saw a couple crossing the courtyard. We were about to pass one another when I heard the voice of the Lord God Almighty revealing to me that the eight-day-old baby boy that they were carrying was God's anointed son, the Christ child, the one who had come to save his people from their sins. Instinctively, I held out my hands to the couple, and the mother unquestioningly laid the babe ever so tenderly in my arms. As I blessed God for the privilege of looking upon the long-awaited Messiah, no one was more surprised than I at the prophetic utterance that poured forth from my lips under the power of the Holy Ghost. How I delighted to declare that the one born in Bethlehem, the city of David, the one whom I held in my arms, was a savior of the world. Lord, I prayed, scarcely aware that I, it was my voice that Jehovah was using to announce the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now I can die content, for I have seen him as you promised me I would. I have seen the Savior you have given to the world. He is the light that will shine upon the nations, and he will be the glory of your people, Israel. As I gently handed back the baby to his mother, the power of God came upon me again. How I dreaded to speak the words that etched themselves upon my spirit. But I knew that I had to obey. Looking at Mary, I declared, A sword shall pierce your soul, for this child shall be rejected by many in Israel, and this to their undoing. But he will be the greatest joy of many others, and deepest thoughts of many hearts shall be revealed. At last my faith had been justified and I knew I could die without fear. I am Anna, the prophetess. I was a devout worshiper of a loving God in the dark days before Christ came. Always I looked for the day spring from on high. I studied and pondered much over the prophecies concerning the coming of the seed of the woman, the seed that would bruise the serpent's head. I had been married for only seven short years when God withdrew from me the earthly love closest to my heart and I became a widow. Yes, I sorrowed, but I did not allow my sorrow to become bitterness. So when death ravaged my home, 
I joined a group of holy women who devoted themselves to continual attendance at the night and day services of the temple. God was now the source of all my strength, and in him my strength was made perfect, even in my weakness. My desire was to have God's house be my dwelling place all the days of my life. Consequently, I went to the temple day after day to pray for the coming of the Messiah, and although he seemed to tarry, I waited for him patiently, believing that someday he would come in fulfillment of his promises. Not only did I pray, I also fasted. Indeed, I paired my prayers with praise as the days stretched into years, 84 long years of widowhood before my failing eyes beheld the Savior I had long expected. In fact, I was more than 100 years old when the miracle happened. Somehow, the long years of waiting never killed my hope. What a glorious day that was. As I entered the temple that morning, I heard the sounds of exultation and joy from the innermost section of the recognized voice of Simeon. Hurrying as fast as I could, I reached the inner court in time to hear from the lips of the vulnerable prophet a wonderful benediction that thrilled my very being. Lord, pray the ancient Simeon. Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Then Simeon turned and laid the babe back in his mother's arms. I stepped closer to Mary and her husband Joseph, and I gazed upon the face of that baby cradled in her arms. I knew that the predictions of the continuous line of prophets of old were fulfilled at last in this holy child, who was none other than my long-looked-for Messiah. The Lord himself revealed to me that this baby was the one that would save his people from their sins. I knew that Mary's son was the rod of, out of the stem of Jesse. Suddenly, I heard another voice giving public thanks for God, sending a Redeemer and Savior. I didn't realize at first that it was my own voice. It was as though someone else were speaking through my lips as I spoke of the nature and design of the life and ministry of this precious little child and of the glory that would take place in the land because of him. My faith was rewarded at last. How privileged I was to become the first female herald of the birth of our Lord and Savior. Yes, I was the first publisher of the Gospel of Christ. Some have even spoken of me as the first Christian missionary. For in the following days, I went from house to house throughout Jerusalem, testifying about the grace of God. And now I, too, was ready to depart in peace and be joined with my husband once again.
just 10 of the many characters of Christmas have spoken to you and I this today. May their stories have an everlasting impact upon each one of us. Where they faithfully followed heavenly guidance, may we also adhere to divine direction. May Isaiah be an example of searching and studying the scriptures, for in them we have eternal life. May our faith in the word of God be steadfast, like Elizabeth, who believed that God would fulfill the promises in the face of all odds. Mary, as well as Joseph, is an example of true submission, which Christ desires of you and I. Even the innkeeper, who was so engrossed in material and financial gain that he missed the greatest event this world has ever known, is a reminder that we must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, lest we too miss God's wondrous plan of salvation. May we share the expectancy of the Messiah, as did Simeon and Anna. Our expectancy of the Lord's coming, however, is not the expectancy of a savior and a deliverer of the world, but of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, as he comes in clouds, of the clouds of glory to gather his own unto himself. And as day follows day, may we as the shepherds and the magi seek the savior of humankind and fall at his feet in endless praise and adoration as we worship him from a heart of endless gratitude. Oh, come, let us adore him as, as Christ the Lord. That's who we celebrate this week as we celebrate Christmas. Uh, we just adore our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who put a lot of work into today, making today really special. Uh, thank you to all the actors that are reading monologues and, and the narrator. Thank you for those um, that sang special music, uh, including the kids and the choir. Um, thank you also to our accompanist, Amy, uh, for our choir director, Beth, uh, for uh, Amber, who was over the, doing the monologues, for Ellen, who was working with the kids. Um, thank you to the guys doing the audio and video, Kenny and Randy, also it's, uh, Cameron and David back there today, too. Um, and thank you, Dwayne Eby, for making this really beautiful set. That's awesome. <laughs> And uh, for Kenny painting it, Angie decorating the, the, in here beautifully. Uh, just, I probably missed some people, but thank you so much for all the hard work you guys put in for this, uh, really to praise our Lord and Savior. And so I just want to say thank you again, and, and let's just uh, let's thank the Lord. Let's, let's clap for Jesus.
All right, well, let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you came, that we can celebrate you, that we can adore you. Thank you for all the people that put a lot of hard work into today. Thank you for each person in leadership and, and uh, had a part in this role today. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for all the talents and gifts that you've given. And Lord, just thank you that all glory is for you. And that God, we just uh, pray that this week as we uh, celebrate your coming, we celebrate your gift. God, we just pray that we would remember who you are, that you are our Savior, and that you are our gift. And so, Jesus, we just uh, pray that we would cherish you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Receive this benediction from Jude, the very end of Jude. Actually, let's go ahead and stand to hear this benediction from the end of the letter of Jude. It says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Go in the joy of the Lord.